episode. <laughs> it's going to be like a bit cruel to release this. Probably about the week after we go into a full lockdown again. <laughs> it's going to be a bit like the bit in Bullseye when it's like, look at what you could have won, man. Look at what you could have won a trip to metal. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. On this week's episode, we're going to do an away day guide for every away game that we may or may not get to in League One, as well as looking back on the three League Cup games that we've played so far. So we've just finished watching St Mirren for Partick Thistle 1. I'm joined by Mark Wallace and David Forrest. Come to you first, Mark. What were your thoughts on what you've just seen, the first competitive game in seven months? I don't want to be too critical for... (laughs) <laughs> the first game in seven months and obviously a heavy defeat um, some really poor defending but for me a lot of positives there I thought our midfield was better than certainly I can recall I thought Ed Brostocker was outstanding linked up really well with Bannigan even some of the decision making in the final third at times from uh, from Murray and from Cardell was a bit suspect but generally I thought there was a lot of positives there despite this sort of heavy defeat David I'm in agreement, Ed. I think the first half, we were all over them. We realistically should have been uh, ahead going in at the break. And to lose a goal in injury time was a real sickener. I was very heartened by the fact that they didn't let their heads go down. And clearly, McCall had some words at uh, half-time and they came back out and they managed to get an equaliser. And I thought that they could maybe have won it. But it's real co- a real concern in terms of like the sort of defensive errors that went on for the third and fourth goal. Sneddon really didn't have a good game. I mean, like the start... You know, I think first five, ten minutes, he made a mistake and we all commented on the fact that he was looking uneasy and we kind of put it down his sort of early nerves and rust or whatever. But it was a bit worrying to be honest, especially against a team who have not really been had much in terms of goal scoring threat recently. I think from my point of view, it, it played out pretty much exactly how I expected it to play out. Maybe not so much the scoreline, but definitely just the way of the match. I, I didn't think there would be too much in it and then I thought we would tire on just because St Mirren have had two months extra match fitness in us and that's really what happened. Uh, I agree with what Mark said, I thought uh, Docker and Bannigan were terrific <laughs> in midfield they really ran the show I was impressed with James Penrice as well at left back I thought he had one of his best games in a while I know he's come under a bit of criticism for maybe not being the best defender but I thought his defensive play tonight was, was really really strong I don't want to come on here and scapegoat players because we've obviously not played in seven months we're short on match fitness. There's a, a lot of new signings, but I wasn't too convinced by the two centre-backs, Brownlee or uh, Breen. I know we saw a bit of Brownlee last season and he looked okay. Breen looked a wee bit shaky and Snedden as well didn't. After, for, it was at fault for one of the goals, arguably, maybe another. But again, I said this in the last podcast, he's a, a young goalkeeper who's sat on the bench for three years and He's trying to get used to the players in front of him and regain his match sharpness and confidence himself. So, again, I'm willing to give all, like Breen, Brownlee and Snedden the benefit of the doubt, even if they did have a, a poor night and give them a few weeks to sort of settle in and try and find some rhythm. Because I think no matter who we played eh, tonight in the defensive positions, we're playing against a Premiership team, mistakes are going to happen. And it just so happens it was those players on tonight. And it's a, it's a good learning experience for them as well, because I don't think Jamie Snedden's played many games against Premiership clubs in his career, so it's an experience for him. I would certainly agree. I think any sort of issues with the defensive shape uh, in regards to Sned and the keeper and these two central defenders, if we're going to play with four at the back, there's going to be teething problems there because you've got, we mentioned Docherty and Bannigan really sort of fitting well together, I think, with Breen, who I, I don't think Breen's played many games even out on loan, I think. Brownlee's been here for half a season, but he's been playing that half a season with Aware and obviously Lewis Mayo. So everything's new. So I'm expected there to be SRTs and problems there. We're play, again, we're playing a Premiership side. 
either on a bad run of form, but they're still two leagues above us. They've had two months made a regular sort of fitness in that. Can he hang it up on that too much? We did lose 4 1, it's not great, but we can certainly take the positives from the first half. If we play, if we play like we were capable of in that game, in the majority of our games in League One, and perhaps against Queen's Park on Saturday, we'll do a bit better. First game, don't want to hang anybody out to dry, but when you you might feel that way when you see the the mistakes that were made for the goals. You try to get that sort of balance of you want to be abundantly clear that it's not acceptable, but at the same time, still a very very long way to go. Watched Partick Thistle 2, Queen's Park now. Joe Cardo coming off the bench at half time to make the difference with the two goals for Thistle. And players coming off the bench was probably the theme of that match. Cardo obviously coming off the bench to score the two goals. Senna coming off the bench at 1 0 to show the midfield up and then effectively create the second goal for Cardo. Uh, I'm joined by David Forrest, Jamie McDonald, and Mark Wallace, who all watched the game this afternoon. I'll come to Jamie first. Jamie, what did you make of it? Uh, I thought the first half wasn't great. We seemed quite slow, quite sluggish, but obviously match sharpness will come with time. We'll get better. Uh, the second half, we were a lot better. We were improved. Cicado made a good impact coming off the bench. That's the sort of role I expect him to kind of have this season. Maybe mainly being used as a sub, an impact sub, coming off, getting that goal, getting an assist, using a killer pass to kind of role I expect him to play. Uh, a lot of the team... Looked, as I said, not fully sharp. I don't think Rudden's fully fit yet. I, he just didn't really make any impact. Graham was surprisingly quiet. He's in pre-season and against St Marin. He'd caused and made nuisance of himself every single game. Caused defence, his headaches, and he just didn't really have an impact today. But hopefully that's just a one-off. Obviously, it was disappointing seeing Foster go off injured. But I'm hoping that's just a knock and nothing serious. But... I'm happy with the result. Can't complain about it. It's a professional win. So hopefully we'll get the result on Tuesday against Queen's Mother South. Mark, on Jag's own, Keenan McKenna was given man of the match. He obviously came in to the side today and replaced Reese Breen. We did look a lot more solid at the back. We kept a clean sheet today. What did you make of McKenna's performance and his partnership with Brownlee at the back? I thought defensively we were a lot better uh, than we were on Wednesday night. Um, I think that's probably obvious given kept a clean sheet and conceded four goals, although two of those were sort of sort of freak mistakes. I really liked the look of McKenna. There was a couple of times where Brownlee had a wee hairy moments, quite like he did on Wednesday, but defensively we were a lot better, for sure. I think that could be a good thing going forward for us. Also gives us the potential of, with the with wear out for however long, we can develop a decent sort of partnership there or even maybe even try a three with McKenna, Green and uh, Brownlee. David, we changed shape at halftime. We played a, a diamond in, mid, in midfield in the first half and it changed at halftime with Joe Cardo coming on. We seemed to go back to a sort of 4-2-3-1 shape. Gordon playing in behind Graham. That obviously changed when Senna came on, but I think the 4-2-3-1 did see us improve a lot in the game. We created more chances and obviously took the lead. Uh, what did you make of the formations that you saw FSO operate with today? Yeah, I mean, like the first half, I don't think we were very effective. It was pretty chronic to watch at times and stuff like that. And you could really see at half time, obviously, the Foster substitution was probably um, not, a, not a decision to be made. It, was, it had to be done. He looked you know, uh, like he was not going to be able to continue. I feel that we played a lot better in the second half with the formation. It gave us a bit more freedom and we were able to give a bit of distribution because in the first the first half we weren't really doing anything at all, and um, it, we we you could see straight from the second half that we were kind of a bit more of a an, an attacking manner, and I think it really done well as I said, Senna really showing up in the midfield and contributing the second goal was it will be good for him to kind of 
get that, kind of get off the mark, so to speak, in terms of being able to show what he can do, because he's obviously, this is his big chance, and he's, he's kind of shown. But I think certainly he'll bring on Cardo, as uh, Jamie said, I think as a super sub, so to speak, to get the two goals, is that will be his position, and I think this really solidified that in the sense that he can really make an impact when he wants. But yeah, I think the formation overall, uh, the tactics change in the second half worked really well. I mean, don't think Queen's Park were especially aggressive in terms of they didn't really they didn't really create much that we had to worry with, so to speak. And I think us oh, just being a bit more forward thinking and pressing and all that really helped. I think it was Jamie that mentioned on the last podcast the the five subs rule should really help us this season. And I think we saw that today. I don't think we made five subs, but obviously the strength and depth that we've got, I think that really did for Queen's Park today. And as much as Queen's Park, they they were a dis- they, they put in a disciplined performance, I think they are going to have a good season in League 2. Are probably a, a team of a similar level that we are going to be playing most weeks in League 1. So I think it's a good sign that we've brought players off the bench who have made a difference. And as you said in the last podcast, Jamie, I think the five subs will well benefit us this year. Because even if the first or second sub doesn't quite work, you've got <laughs> you've got all five options to make, and we do have a, a bench strong enough that five players coming on will hopefully make a difference. Now we've got Blair McNally speaking to Joe Cardo after this was two 0 win over Queens Park. Um, Joe, talking about uh, you were obviously talking about your runs during lockdown. Was it a thirty-five minute ten k you were able to get? That was um, yeah, that was that was my PB. That's what I got up yeah. to. So. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good um, going for an old boy. How do you feel, obviously, with that level of fitness? Do you feel that you're looking to be one of the main players in this team, or do you feel like you're the, obviously you said you're the fit, you're the fittest you've ever been? Um, Fitness-wise, do you feel you want to be a main part of this team? That's what I'm here to do. I would never, I would never sign a contract at a club to be a bit part player. Um, I feel personally that I've got a lot to give. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll always give my all. Um, I feel frustrated that I've not probably reached the peak that I, that I have at Partick Thistle so, so far. I think if you don't look, look back uh, following my career at Dunfermline and other clubs where I was scoring and assisting every game, and I plan to do that this season. Um, and it's just something that personally I don't think uh, for the last two seasons I've scored enough goals. And that was my, my main aim. Uh, I think I got up to about 12 assists last season, but... I never scored, I think I scored four or five goals last season. It's nowhere near enough for a player like myself. So that's the plan for me to be a big part of the team and that's why I signed the contract in the summer. We've just watched Queen of the South nil, Partick Thistle nil. Partick Thistle winning the game on penalties to get the bonus point, which takes up to five points in the group with one game to play. I'm joined by Mark Wallace, Jamie McDonald, Manpreet Singh and uh, birthday boy David Forrest tonight. Uh, David, since it's your birthday, I'll come to you first. Uh, what did you make of the 90 minutes plus penalties that we all just watched or in some cases didn't, thanks to a dodgy stream? Um, I mean, like the game wasn't, Really, that much? It was, you know, it was a, a, a quite. A, it was all right. We we played again, same as the Saint Mary game. It was really good in the first half, not so good in the second half. Luckily, we didn't concede. Delighted with the penalty shot. I genuinely thought we'd lost it. Mandry, but I thought we played really well. We should have scored good three, four chances. But even with ten men, I think for the last five, putting on a striker for Banzo says a lot. The fact that we won a penalty shootout, I think that's the first time I've seen us win a penalty shootout. And I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I think that's my first time I've, I've witnessed Thistle winning a penalty shootout. But apart from that, Jamie Snedden, I, I was one for goalkeeper abuse at the start of the podcast and he was like, unreal today. He, he was the only reason we got to penalties. Graham off the ball incident was stupid from a player of his experience and I think he's out for the next three, which is 
big. Hopefully, Rudden hits the ground running. Like, I know he hit the net with a penalty spot, but overall, played well. They created chances, looked solid at the back with 10 men, won, won the game on penalties. What's not to love? Uh, Mark, I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, I know you were on the podcast, or oh, well, it's the same podcast, but you were on last week for us uh, talking about the St. Mirren game. And Jamie Snedden maybe made one, maybe two mistakes for the goals, and we were all a bit critical, but said we'd give him time. Uh, what do you think of where he is after tonight? Well, maybe I was perhaps a wee bit too hard on uh, on Jamie in that first that first game for two what were two very very silly mistakes. Uh, he certainly redeemed himself tonight. Two excellent saves in particular. There was one in the first half, I believe, and another one in the second where it really did look like we were going to concede. Uh, done tremendously well on the penalty shootout. And my other question was going to be with Graham's three-match suspension, uh, do you think Rudden is fit enough to, to be the lone striker in his absence or do you think we'll see Salim get a bit more game time? Um, I'm, we'll, need to see where, we'll need to see where Zach is. Obviously, he's still coming back from a knock. He played. He got a few. He got a wee bit longer tonight than he did on Saturday against Queens Park. Uh, wouldn't be terribly against giving Salim game time, especially looking towards the Clay game where you're. It's probably going to be a bit more of a battle, and having somebody like Graham's sort of physicality will be a will probably be a big miss. So having someone like Salim who's a bit powerful, who can sort of put himself about, I think could be a wee bit better. For us, especially, maybe bring Zach on with the multiple subs towards the end of the game if we're tiring and then try to sort of get ourselves at a decent position on Saturday. Jamie, I'll come to you next. Uh, we've got five points out of a possible nine so far. Obviously, four of the top eight runners-up go through. We could get eight points if we beat Morton in our final game. Obviously, that's a few weeks away, but... How would you reflect on the League Cup as a whole so far? I'd say mainly it's very positive. Obviously, there's some mistakes which need to be ironed out, like the St. Marin game. There were some defensive errors. Obviously, there was the goal from the corner. There was the goal straight from kickoff. That was quite poor. Against Queen's Park, I thought we looked pretty solid. We were a good unit altogether. First half was a bit dull, but we changed the shape from that diamond to uh, having white players, which worked a lot better for us. And I thought we looked good against them. Cardo scoring twice tonight. We kept another clean sheet, two clean sheets in a row, which is a rare thing for us. And we beat our team in the league above us. I mean, it is on penalties, but we still we still did it. Uh, and I think overall we've got to be pretty positive about it so far. I know we've still got one game left to play, but there's not a huge amount to complain about. Players like Kieran McKenna stood out. Obviously tonight, Jamie Snedden was excellent. Joe Cardo's look good. So, I mean, I'm pleased with the squad. Brian Graham did look good before his red card, which will be a loss for us. But I don't think we have too much to complain about over the League Cup games. It makes me happy for the league. It makes me more confident. We look great going forward. David, I'll come back to you. We're away to Clyde on Saturday. And obviously, we discussed Zach Rudden potentially replacing the suspended Brian Graham. But for the other 10 positions in the park, would you expect to see a similar side that took to the field against Green of the South tonight? Um, I, you you kind of hope so. I thought we I thought the, the side was good. I think Snedden certainly the game today, as as Mark said, he really redeemed himself from St Mirren. I think he really needed that as a confidence boost. I think the confidence would have been knocked a bit against St Mirren with the mistakes, but having him turn that penalty shot around will, will give him the world of confidence. I think he he's really earned his place with that performance tonight. In terms of the other positions, Doherty and Bannigan have worked so well together, you would absolutely see them uh, linking up again. It might be one or two retweaks. I'd like to see Lyons get a bit more, to be honest. I think I'd like to see him get a start, but I don't know if he will. But um, I, I don't see us changing too much because we have been quite positive and I think the, the real litmus test will be against the League One clubs. Manfred, what are you expecting to see from the game against Clyde? Obviously, it's looking like a slightly different game without fans there. If there were fans there, it'd be a big derby. But are you still expecting a derby-type game or are you expecting us to go there and Clyde to sit men behind the ball? What sort of game are you expecting, Saturday? I'm expecting them to sit in and just play in the counter. They've got David Goodwill up front who... If you take his just his playing ability, he shouldn't be in League One, but because of other things he is, he, he will probably, even for that Clyde team, probably score about 25, 30 goals, probably what Dobie was doing for Queen of the South. That, that is the only, I think they'll just sit in, play long balls to Goodwillie, and Goodwillie, the, the chances that we created today, if Goodwillie even gets half of that, he will. Slip, he puts all them away. 
every single chance we had today. We would score that but bread that's just bread and butter. Like that's the only thing that is worrying me that we did give them a few chances. Like cause Clyde will just sit in. They, they won't they won't try and take the game. I don't expect them to try and take the game to us. Obviously they lost two one to Falkirk today and so in my opinion, when you look at it, we should go and win. We should realistically be looking to win and just set a benchmark. Like we've not done that the like previous years, draw Malawa, just dropping stupid points at the start of the season. We need to go there and make a benchmark. But overall, I think they'll, they'll sit in. They've got David Goodwillie, so they've always got a chance of scoring. And But we should have enough quality. Like You look at the squad, like, come on. like That, that squad is good enough to, to beat anybody in this league no matter how well the opposition play. Mark, if you were looking back at the League Cup and going into Saturday's game, what one thing do you think we need to improve and sort of iron out in our play going into Saturday's game against Clyde in the rest of the league season? I would certainly say uh, finishing. I thought we were really, really profligate tonight. But I would caveat that with the fact that the main goal threat was sent off after half an hour. But we still managed. We still managed to get a few close calls in there. But certainly, we need to be better attacking if we're to win. If if we're to get anything going forward, we've looked good, particularly against St Mirren and get for spells and tonight for spells. We need to work that out. We need to turn looking good with the ball into actually taking chances. That's nothing new for us. I think it's something that we've. Uh, had a bit of an issue with for a wee while. It's certainly something we're working on. It's, we're getting better at it, but we need to start sticking the ball in the back of the net. Jamie, I'll come to you last. Uh, just a quick one. On behalf of the, the draw, loser, draw, Parish, uh, could you predict a score for Saturday's league opener? Uh, I'll go 2-0 Thistle. Joe Parish one I like it. On today's episode, we're going to do an away day guide for the League One season ahead, which might seem a bit weird, considering it's not a guarantee that we're going to go. But we're going to do it anyway to see what we might have to look forward to later on in the season. Uh, we're just going to run through each club. We've got nine clubs to go through in alphabetical order. Some mean David have not been to. Some mean David have been to. So we've brought other people in. Some people that you've heard in the podcast before. Some people that you've not heard in the podcast before to talk you through everything you need to know about each club in League One. So we will start with Airdrie. And to talk about Airdrie, we have Mark Wallace. Uh, Alright, Airdrie is a ground It's actually one of the better ones In terms of like, the actual view you get From going to the game Like A lot of places you can either get stuck behind the goal Or the stands aren't particularly steep So you're you're left with like a sort of obfuscated view On where you're going But Airdrie I always find is actually quite good for that sort of stuff Location wise Not too bad either It's no far from Drongello Station About a 10 minute walk And I found out that it's actually not Terribly far from the old ground as well. The site in Morris is about a mile away, so they're one of those clubs that have moved ground. They have nearly been dumped out in their arse in the middle of nowhere, a bit like what Falkirk kind of have with their new stadium. So that's a, that's a good thing. Pubs wise, I've seen a few pubs about. I've never really been into them on my way to the games. I either usually get the bus or I get a lift, but. There are pubs around that area if you want to go to them. It's a, it's a decent away day. I think it's kind of lost a bit of its luster with everything since the sort of turn of the century, but it's still a pretty decent away day. Certainly one that a lot of your fans do get up for, which is always a good thing because enthusiasm is always what you want when you're when you're playing away. But to rate the location, I'd probably give it about a 7 out of 10. Pubs-wise, they could be good, they could be bad. I'm not, sure, I'm not terribly sure. I've been in the stadium bar, which was okay as well, but I can't imagine them letting away fans, like Thistle fans in before a game like that. So, still pretty decent. I'd say that's about a 6 out of 10. Transport-wise, it's pretty easy to get to. Like I said, it's it's not terribly far from Drungello Station if you're getting the train. It's pretty easy to find through the middle of the town. It's one of those clubs that, although they're not right by in the town centre, they're not terribly far away from it. So, it's not one of... it's. Not sort of totally soulless, where you you would you would think like traditionally, or football clubs, football grounds that are in the middle of the town and dead easy to get to. But the the new Airdrie Stadium is actually pretty okay in that aspect. At a ten, well, probably get a bit an eight. It's pretty easy to get to and from. Bit of tra- bit of traffic jams in the way out when you get the bus, but nothing that I wouldn't say is abnormal for 
football traffic, really. I'm going to ask you to rate the stadium out of 10, but bear in mind, if you give this about a 6 or a 7, you're probably going to crown Airdrie as the best away day in League One. But on you go. Uh, as an away day, probably not the best, but certainly one of the better grounds. And you can't really fault that. I'd probably give about a 6, 6.5. Sure. It's one of the better ones, but like, it's certainly one of the most modern ones. I think it's built in 1998, so a fairly new ground. And it's, it's not really going to rack and ruin, so... Last time I went to Erdrey, it was July in the League Cup, and I had a McFlurry outside and a McDonald's outside table, and it was, like, one of the... Probably the nicest experiences possible to have in Erdrey, like alfresco ice cream dining in the sun. <laughs> uh, David, who you'll know from the podcast, has had the misfortune of going to Broadwood before. So David is now going to talk us through what to expect from an away day at Clyde. Starting of all, first of all, in terms of distance, it's really not that far. I mean, it's, what, 20, 25 minutes at the most? How, how have you judged distance, by the way? Because I've given Peterhead a big nine, because that's what the fans seem to like, a big trick. Anything in the Glasgow postcode is probably really good, but then anything that you have to travel more than an hour and a half for is probably also really good, and anything in between is just the dead zone of, oh, fuck's sake, like Falkirk and all that. Aye, yeah, 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 right. Aye, that's fine. No, that makes sense. Cool. Aye. So. Sorry, I only go. No, that's fine. Um, so, in terms of distance, Clyde, I mean, it's technically in North Lanarkshire um, and coming all from Glasgow. It's really easy to get to in terms of it's just off the motorway and stuff like that. So, in terms of the distance, seeing as it's really quite close, it's actually probably closer to my house than Fur Hill. I'd probably give it a, an eight because you don't get the big adventure. But you can be in the house for six o'clock, so, you know, um, yeah, eight out of ten for that. In terms of the location, though, this is a bit, this is where it kind of gets downfall. It is literally in the middle of nowhere. There is no houses whatever, whatsoever nearby. Um, the only thing that is nearby is a retail park, uh, which has an Aldi, an M&S food, and a Tim Hortons, and... It is walkable because I remember when we went to the Glasgow Cup game in December, Manpreet and Reese managed to sneak in a Tim Hortons and were sitting eating their Tim Hortons uh, throughout the game. So it is doable. Um, there. In terms of but in terms of uh, location and stuff like that, there's really nothing nearby. In terms of boozers, I believe there is one pub nearby that's like a brewery restaurant so it's like a family restaurant so it's not like like going to a carvery before a, a game or something like that it's not really a a good atmosphere in terms of like an away day if you know what I mean because there's lots of families and people who are not there for the football and things like that um, it's called the Broadwood Farm although the other pubs are in other towns like Balak and Condorit so the Condorit Arms and Condorit is probably your closest one outside of that it's probably your co- like actual away day pub if you know what I mean but it is a fair walk um, there. So in terms of um, boozers, I'd probably give it a two because it does have one nearby, but it's just not very good. And all the other good ones are quite uh, a, a distance away. Like they are doable, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. The transport. I mean, in all fairness, if you get the bus, it's really, really easy to get to Broadwood. There's two regular bus services during the day that are every 15 minutes in Glasgow to the Craiglin roundabout. It's about a five minute walk away. It's you have to re- remember which roundabout it is because Cumbernauld is just full of roundabouts. Buses run until just before midnight, so you don't need to worry about getting back to Glasgow for like a midweek game because, I, 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 as previously mentioned, we went to the Glasgow Cup game last year and then I, I got the last bus and it was like maybe half, I got in at about quarter to twelve or something like that, so it's it's quite easy to get back to. In terms of the train station, it's Troy. It's a 20-minute walk, so it's less amenable to cans in the train because you need to move, uh, go from Croy there, but you can do it. It's still very doable. And again, it's really easy to get to bypass. So in terms of transport, I would say probably a seven. I'd probably say a seven for transport. Um, the ground itself, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it is the coldest ground in Scottish football by some considerable distance. I mean, I've went in July and been freezing, that's how bad it is. It's just because it's three sides, and there's the one side has got the leisure centre on it, and the wind just comes straight in from it. It, it chills you to the bone. I know it, like our broth probably had higher winds, and probably was colder, 
but the chill factor from Broadwood is is just incomparable. I've I've never been to a stadium like it in terms of coldness. Every single time I've been, it's been freezing, regardless of what time of year it is. Um, it's not a fun place to to sit. Uh, wrap up warm, I would certainly say, regardless of when it is, because it's a rough go about in terms of the the cold um, at Broadwood. Um, and in terms of the stadium itself. I mean, it might be a bit controversial. I quite like Broadwood. I think it's actually a quite a good facility. The problem is, it's a good facility for a team that would have been in the Premier League, so to speak, because I think it was built, all the, the renovation stuff were made in preparation for the the old 10,000-seater rule, where they were trying to get them up to the Premier League and they had to have a certain capacity. Clyde don't have enough fans to fill it, so it's never full. The only time it's ever full is if they ever played the old farm. That's literally it. Um... But I suppose that's you know, something that a lot of clubs face, ourselves included, but it's a big cavernous thing when there's nobody there and most of the time there's nobody there. I think for ourselves playing Clyde, that won't be so much of an issue, purely because there'll be a lot of Thistle fans and a lot of Clyde fans because of obviously the old rivalry. So on the basis that it's all right, it's, it's quite a big stadium, but it's always empty and it's also the coldest place on earth. I have to give it a four. We're going in the right direction. Uh, finally, quickly, just uh, a word on the voting record from last season for potential boycotters. I would be stunned if Clyde did not vote for us to be relegated. Absolutely stunned. Um, I believe they did vote for the season to be ended and were right. firmly against reconstruction. Right, that's a, that's a zero then. Um, a zero, excellent. <laughs> so that gives Clyde a grand total of 21 out of 50. Uh, next up is Cove Rangers. Uh, we couldn't find any Thistle fans who had been to Cove Rangers. So I spoke to my flatmate Duncan, who is a Queen's Park fan and went there last season. Uh, well, sure. Uh, well, the location is um, uh, pretty awful. It's like a suburb of like, Aberdeen, just out of it. It's like it's an industrial estate. It's like uh, the canvas line <laughs> of Aberdeen. And it's mostly just kind of dominated by a big grey post office building you can see. And, it is, and um, yeah, it's um, it's not like you know a broth or anything near the co- where it's like near the coast and it's nice looking. It's just it's just the wind and everything. Which is if you go, I don't know if, if you go in the winter. Well, we're meant to be playing um, our third game, so that'll not be we'll not be going there. But I think the next one's maybe March. March isn't great. I mean, it's it's, it's not February. No. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's still going to be pretty windy probably. No, not not what you'd expect from my like, trip north usually. Like, I think it's, it's more like pier head. We've done Peterhead and yeah. I did not get favourable. Yeah, well, it's 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 very similar, possibly even worse. And I've said that and I hate Peterhead, but this <laughs> this this was something else. Transport wise, uh, it can be pretty good though. If yeah, I'd recommend taking the sports bus if you if you're going up there over a car, especially if they're stopping off somewhere nice, especially like Stonehaven. I don't know if they are, uh, which is much better than anything in actual Cove or the football. Um, it's got like it's, I, I, I get, it's worth getting up a couple hours early just to stop there for a couple hours on the way up uh, and there's like two because there's like two good wee pubs near the harbour which will be better than anything you'll see at the game not that I'm saying you know <laughs> you'll do badly but uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's much better even if you just sat at the harbour and looked at the view man it's much better than anything I guess cause, and especially because like, there's not much up at the ground itself uh, pubs would definitely be a, a very low three to a ten. It's uh, like it's it's just this this the social club really. It's attached to the ground. The only thing good I can say about it is I don't remember complaining much about the prices. Um, but it's like really small. It's just a port cabin basically, and instead of Sky Sports or BT BT or anything, it's just like a projector with that mad Qatari show Richard Keys and uh, and they I don't know if Andy Gray still on it, but <laughs> was on. That's all they have. Ground itself is like it's, it's low as well. Um, two or three out of ten, as well. I'd go. It's but in fairness, I think it's still mostly under construction. You can definitely tell that when you go in, because there's like there's one stand. I don't think we went in at that time. I mean the rest of the stadiums are just standing, so you're right, right next to the pitch. So if you like that, it's nice. Um, just a a bunch of you know big construction sort of stuff. Instead of anything else, you have a bunch of bus shelters around the ground. You can stand in, if you like. Well, maybe not exact bus shelters, but basically the same thing. So if it's pushing it down, that's all you have. So 
the twos and threes for the pubs and stadium. What about the, the transport and location out of ten? Transport, um, just just for the trip up, it's probably the best thing about it. Even if you don't go to Stonehaven, um, it's better, it's better than the destination. So I'd I'd give it a so. <laughs> maybe six or seven <laughs> depends which way you go there obviously um, if, you, if you do end up with stone even it's a solid 10 thank um, you very much yeah Cove also getting a 1 out of 10 for their voting record after some of their weirdo fans joined in and done D United's march from Tanadice to Tynecastle. That gives them an overall away day score of 18 out of 50 uh, next up we have Dumbarton FC and we're going to go back to David to talk about a wee trip to Dumbarton the CNG System Stadium where Dumbarton play. I mean, the location, first of all, is a great location. It's situated underneath uh, Dumbarton Rock, where Dumbarton Castle was. So when you walk into the ground, you've got the rock right there in front of you. It's a great view. And then when you go into the, the ground, it's one stand, and you get a good view of sort of... You can see quite far in terms of at Dumbarton. Like, you know, it's quite a good view. I really enjoy the view there. Um, because you can see quite a bit and there's you know, hills and stuff and you see the bridge and all that so in terms of location I would give it a 9 out of 10 it's not too far and you know you get good views so I would give it a 9 I really like Dumbarton it's one of my one of my favourite grounds in terms of transport there I mean the transport is quite easy to get to there by train you can to Dumbarton East Railway Station it's about 10 minute walk um, and it's really easy to get to from Glasgow there's you know, multiple services uh, every hour uh, to Dumbarton so there should be no problem in terms of getting there by train and as you come out the station turn right along the main street left into Victoria Street and the ground is down the bottom of the road on the right so in terms of transport with that I would give it it's a really really easy place to get to and it's not too hard to get to from Glasgow driving either I mean I literally drove past Dumbarton's ground yesterday 25 minutes half an hour again so not not too bad and it's really easy to find as well because the rock dominates the skyline. So if you ever try to find it where the stadium is, just look for Dumbarton Rock and then you'll find the ground because it's right there. Uh, for transport, I would give it a 9 out of 10 as well because it's really easy to get to from Glasgow and you know you can get to it in the parks. It's not hard. In terms of the stadium, I really, uh, it's, it's a very basic ground. It's very similar to East Fife in that regard. So, uh, again, the view is really good, so I would give that... A six, because there is only one stand. It's not really the most no advanced of facilities, but I, I do like the view, so I'll, I'll give it a six. In terms of boozers, I mean, in terms of the boozers, there is a ground, there is a bar situated in the ground, but it's for home fans only. Um, however, there is the Rock Bowling Club down the road. Uh, it's just a little further down the road from the ground, opposite the entrance to the castle. Um, a bowling club is always good for the pint because they're always dead cheap so it's always a good option there's always the Stag's Head as well which is uh, opposite the entrance to Eastern Barton Station so when you leave the station it's literally there so it's a case of it's really easy to get to a pub from the station you don't need to go walking for ages or anything like that to find one in terms of boozers I can't really find anything to fault them with in terms of there's two there's a, there's a pub right next to the right there's a pub right next to the train station and there's one just down the road from the ground, so it's and they both look really good so I'd give that an eight I'll give it an eight purely because you can't get into the one in the grounds and in terms of voting records do we know what they did in voting records? Uh, they've not actually they've put out Hannah's statements but they've not actually said I, I'd give them a thump fuck all. <laughs> Zero out of ten there. Uh, that gives them a solid 32 out of 50, which I believe is the highest score so far. Um, next up, I'm going to talk about East Fife. Uh, I went to East Fife a couple of times two seasons ago. I think in terms of distance, it is, it's in that, it is in that sort of dead zone of it's probably slightly too far for the casual fan who's maybe not wanting to spend a whole day out but also not quite far enough for the away day hardcore who want to spend a whole day out. Um, it's about an hour and a half if you drive, but it's a good few hours on uh, public transport. I'll give it a 6 out of 10 for distance, because you do have enough time to get pushed, but it's it's not perfect. Transport, it's, it's a 4 out of 10 for transport. It's quite an easy drive to metal. It's quite a nice drive to metal. If you're going in your own car or by a uh, supporters bus, nice views up that uh, 
part of the world until you actually get to metal itself. However, getting to metal and public transport is a bit of an ordeal. I was going to say, I, I went on public transport to Methyl when I went, and it took me three and a half hours to Glasgow. Yeah, I, be, I believe there's multiple trains you need, or buses and trains. So for the transport side, I gave it a four out of ten. Go on the supporters bus or, or drive yourself, it's very nice. But if you're relying on public transport, it's not ideal. Stadium itself, as some of you probably know, I did a pie review two seasons ago. And East Fife, this is how I rank stadiums, basically. East Fife Scotch Pie, I think, was the first of the season that got a 10 out of 10. Um, I believe their stadium is similar to Dumbarton. It's only got one stand. But if you look out beyond the open sides, it's it's open sea. So it's quite a nice view, but it's also absolutely Baltic. I gave their stadium a 7 out of 10. Most of those points came from how good their pies were. In terms of pubs, um, it's methyl. So the pubs aren't terrific. There are a few options and the, the options are on Methyl uh, Main Street which is only a 5-10 minute walk from the ground but there's there's nothing too memorable so I gave the pubs a 4 out of 10 there and for their voting record uh, throughout the coronavirus I gave them a 7 out of 10 they have voted favourably for us but I'm not sure they voted entirely because they believe in sport and integrity I believe it was a sort of self-interest Oh, but I gave them a 7 out of 10. They did put a statement out that said um, they don't believe that Hearts, Thistler, and Ross should get relegated. So in terms of any potential boycotters, I don't think East Fife will be on anybody's list. And that total score gives East Fife 28 out of 50 for an away date. Next up is back to David to talk about Falkirk. So Falkirk Stadium is quite unique in that it's a three-sided stadium. And the reason it's a three-sided stadium is that the fourth side is within the blast radius for the BP oil refinery in Grangemouth, whereby if there is an explosion at the oil refinery and you are on that fourth side, you would just be, you know, irradiated or whatever. So with that, they're not allowed to build on it because obviously they can't have fans in that, that part of the stadium. That's a handy thing to know if there is a, a massive like BP oil disaster in Grangemouth that, you know, probably avoid the, the ground that game. It is in the middle of nowhere. It's really not a, a, the best place. It's not even a Falkirk to start with. It is in Grangemouth. Um, so I, in terms of location, I mean... And the fact that, you you know, you could potentially die in an oil explosion going to this game, I have to give it a zero, surely. Um, in terms of transport, is equally as miserable because again, it's not in Falkirk. So I believe when I went, I went to the Falkirk Kai station. It was about a good twenty-five minute, half an hour walk uh, from the train station to there. Um, it's, a, it's a not bad walk. It's quite a nice walk, but it is a fair walk. Falkirk Grahamston is the same as well, about the same distance. There isn't really a train station nearby. It's very much a Livingston situation. Any of the train stations you would get to go there are nowhere near it. So in terms of transport, I'd give Falkirk a 1. In terms of pubs, again, because it's in the middle of nowhere, there's not really much around it. Um, there is a pub in the ground. It is for home fans only, but if you're nice and give them a wee cheeky smile, they'll let you in. However, when I went in, it was very much the League of Gentlemen local pub for local people. You know, because I had my scarf and my shirt on and stuff like that, it, there was people sort of giving you looks. It didn't, there wasn't anything terrible or anything like that, but it was just a case of, I think they were just a bit bemused that somebody from what the opposite team was in. It's it's an all right wee bar, like, you know, they, but it's all bottles. I don't think they have pints. I think it's just bottles that they have, as far as I can remember. In terms of pubs nearby, it's going to be a case of having a drink in Falkirk and then making the walk. Apart from that, there's not really much else Um to it apart from that there's nothing nearby it's all sort of like in businesses and industrial estates and stuff like that nearby there's nothing really to drink there so in terms of a bar I'd give it what a, a 2 out of 10 <laughs> just based on the fact that it's a home home bar only certainly it was a home bar I don't know if it's the case for other teams but certainly when we played them they weren't allowing it always supporters in uh, but some say it's home and away, but who knows. So yeah, 2 out of 10 for the bar, 
uh, with that. In terms of the stadium itself, it's way too big for them. I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people miss Brockville. That was, and Brockville was, by all accounts, an absolute toilet by the end, but people do kind of miss the character from it. This, this is it's quite a soulless ground. Um, again, it's another three-sided stadium. On the left-hand side, what is it like a scrapyard or something like that they have on the left-hand side? Is that right? It's something like it's not anything of aesthetic beauty. It's just it's like one of those sites to bury the bodies in case you there is that uh, petrol gas explosion that you're talking about. I just got that big area just in case. Yeah, it's not. It's really not a a good view or anything like that. The the stadium. I mean, the the main stand is huge and clearly built for Falkirk being in the Premier League. Again, there seems to be quite a few clubs at this, like Airdrie Clyde and Falkirk, who sort of built this stadium in, in anticipation of getting into the Premier League and it's kind of falling away. Yeah, it's not it's not the best atmosphere at all. And in terms of stadium, give it a free. <laughs> like, they do, they, they do like half-decent pies and stuff like that, but... You know, it's it's not it's really soulless and just quite like quite depressing being out out the way and stuff like that. So yeah, I give it a three for that. So they were quite vocal that they did not want the season to be ended and they would be in favour of reconstruction. I'd give them a nine because uh, they didn't uh, join the mad legal battle that us and hearts really put up. But it's, it's totally up to you. Yeah, I know, that's fair, that's fair, nine. I sold 15 out of 50 for Falkirk Football Club. They, they uh, really saved themselves <laughs> with that voting record, didn't they? I, I, richly deserved, in my opinion, so not on the boycott list. <laughs> um, next up, we have Forfa, and Patrick Thistle fan and podcast debutant Ken Boswell is going to talk to us about Forfa. I mean, it's quite a long time since we visited Forfar before. I had a wee check before I came on, and 2013 in the League Cup was the last time it was a 2-0 win. One of the things I particularly remember about was they'd gone over to a plastic pitch, and it was a really hot day, and the whole place smelt like burning airfix models. It was this smell of plastic rising off this very new pitch that they'd had installed. I suppose the other thing about that day as well, and it wouldn't be the first time this had happened, was that the, the, the first Hanoi announcement we heard about 10 minutes in was that uh, the stand-side stall was running out of Brady's, and if you wanted one, you should get there quickly. That's a pretty standard announcement for these kind of things. I mean, we've always taken quite a big support to Forfa, historically speaking, I think, which is quite unusual because Forfa's not the easiest ground to get to. I, I haven't measured it in the map, but I think it's about 15 miles from Dun. It used to have a train station, obviously, because the stadium's actually called Station Park, and it's right next to an auction mark. Or it used to be anyway. Let's say it's seven years ago now since we were there. The couple of times I've been there, I've actually uh, I've cycled from Dundee, and I think I've got a lift up there once. It's it's very nice, sweet town actually. It used to be a big kind of. I mean, obviously it's got the the kind of butchery side of it, I suppose. And it, but it used to be a big textile town as well. That's all gone now. So it's like in a dormitory town for Dundee. It's one of those those Angus clubs that's um, that's got quite a bit of bad blood though, with because there's Forfar, or Broth, Montrose, and I think Brechin comes into it sometimes. But that's that's a proper derby. Uh, that's the ones they look forward to. I always remember the story of it. It was a guy called Dave Bakey who transferred between. Montrose and Arbroath, he may have spent, his, I assume he lived up there, but he spent most of his playing career there, I think, as well. And then he was the manager of Arbroath and he moved to Montrose and he got death threats from Arbroath fans, which gives you an idea of the strength of feeling. Um, so, I mean, yeah, Fort Fort is it, it's effectively a dormitory town for Dundee. Now, most of the pubs, there was a game we had, must be over a decade ago, and it, it got called off. And all the pubs we went into, it was Dundee United had had their game called off as well. So there's a very strong Dundee United contingent in the town. Not unpleasant. They were they were, they were very, very pleasant to us. Of the pubs in the town, there's a couple quite close to the ground that are, that are kind of housed. They're, they're, they're nice enough. Um, it, I would imagine it's all changed now from the point of view, like I say, it's seven years since we last played them up there. 
I mean, everyone remembers going back to 2001, the, you know, the Lambie's Day Out of Sterling. But actually, that, was, that wasn't us. Now, that was us clinching promotion. But to win the title, we had to better our Bros result, or was it Queen of the South's result, uh, up there. And it was Paul McGrillan came on and scored the equalising goal back in 2001, which was amazing. We took about 2,000 fans up that day. And it was incredible. It was, it sounds really stupid to say, but it was genuinely nail-biting because we knew we were going to do it anyway. We knew we were up, but we just really wanted to win the title. And the week before, we played Queen of the South at Far Hill. And that was the one where McNally and Hardy and one other player get sent off. So they were all suspended. So we scored quite early on. They equalised and then went a goal ahead. They had Dave Bowman playing for them. It was that long ago. The legendary Dave Bowman. But uh, okay, Forth was a good day out. It's um, it's got a nice wee high state. But I think probably what people want most wanted to know about with this kind of thing is about the Brideys. There's about three or four butchers in the town, and a uh, bakers. Now you can actually get the Brideys if you want to do a takeaway, take them home with you from the butchers. Again, this might have all changed again. But there's for my money, the best baker is the one nearest to the ground before you. When you approach it, you kind of go under the railway and then out on the other side. And just at the, the T-junction before the ground, there's a baker's very, very old school sort of stained glass window. And there's usually a queue outside it and they do tend to sell out. And of course, the big difference is there's, there's effectively three types of bridey you can get. You can get your standard one. You can get your mince one, which is all right. You can get one with a ring in and all which is one where they put onions in it, and of course the steak brady. And generally speaking, I would say that the, the big difference between them is the quality of the pastry. Some of it can be a bit dry or slightly too salty, but it's down to people's individual choice. But I've always found, obviously the ones in the ground are really, really good. But that wee bakery, I can't even remember the name of it. If you go and Google Maps, it will be sitting there, you know. So yeah, it's a good day out for her. Uh, that's all I really care about. Like I know most people when they go on an away date, so... What's it like on the train or what are the pubs like? I'm just like, what's the food like? Aye, exactly. <laughs> I mean, as for the rest of the town, you know, I don't think I've ever spent probably within 50 yards of the station. Maybe I wander down the main street, but I don't think I've even done that. Because you've got your bakers there. I think there's a pub across the road as well, which, like I say, is basically a wee kind of old man's pub. It's probably turned into a bistro now or something like that, the Forfar Bistro or something. Because actually, much like Montrose, the stadium isn't that close to the centre of the town. I mean, it's not a huge town anyway. But, you know, if you're if you're coming in the car, you basically go down the high street and then you feel as if you're coming out the other side of it before you get to the stadium. I mean, the stadium's quite a tidy wee ground. It's probably, I think, of other grounds that it looks like, it's it's still an old school stadium. It, they've still got terracing there, I think. Although that that might get closed off. Who knows whether we'll see it actually. It's very much like our broth, I would say, is the kind of style of the ground in this plastic pitch as well. Without one of those kind of old nineteen twenties style pavilion things for a stand, you know, where where kind of directors guys like Donald Finlay sit and that kind of thing, you know? And and a couple of pie stalls, which which immediately ran out I mentioned earlier, you know. If there's a load of us in there, which is fairly unlikely, it'll be a good atmosphere. I'd probably give it a... Uh, what's our kind of control here? Capelo on a Tuesday night in December. Um, I would probably give it a... 7 out of 10. The location, I suppose it depends what you're looking for on an away day. You, you really want somewhere with a train station, like I say. It's kind of out of the way. And, I mean, you're looking at what... A couple of hours to Dundee, and then probably about another half hour up to Forfar. So it's a fair day. I mean, it's a full day. If you were going up on a bus, you'd be looking at leaving at probably at half ten, eleven o'clock to get there about two o'clock. Location-wise, it's not it's not a particularly good location because it's not close and it's not well served by transport. So if you wanted to go under your own steam, what you're looking at is train to Dundee and then um, bus up the road. You could bring the catering into it but pubs and food out of ten. Oof. I mean you know it's one of these one purely on the on the strength of the Brideys and depending how good they, the fact that you can get them in the stadium and outside and the pubs we went into were, were half decent as well. I'd probably give that a seven as well. Yeah. yeah. That is another good score for probably going I think.
So Forsberg is getting a 1 out of 10 for his voting record throughout the Covid crisis after their chairman's sneaky comments about voting just to get the Thistle and Falkirk gate receipts, which gives Forsberg as an away day an overall score of 29 out of 50. Next up is Montrose, and you'll all recognise the voice of Manpreet Singh, who's going to talk us through what to expect from a trip to Montrose. We got, there's only about five of us, but we all got the train through. It's the same train as our bro, so I think we left at 10.39 from Queen Street. I think that that was, that train was, I think, prime for all the low league football teams you go through, our bro, Montrose, Dundee, and all that stuff. So I think we got, we got the train through to Montrose for about midday. Uh, found a pub, which is just after High Street, just like a five minute walk from the train station. And you get onto the high street, it's just a big long road. There's pubs everywhere, there's good places to get food. Or there's off these so you can get a booze as well. We went into a wee pub, which is quite good, there was a wee pool table in it. And then we went, I think it was around two, half two, we went, got a carry out and then walked towards the ground. From what I can remember of the ground is they've just got one mass, they're not even massive stand, one 500 seat stand or something like that, and then the rest is all terracing. The side we were at wasn't covered, but I don't, I don't know if the other side was covered or not, but I know they've got, it's pretty much one side's terrace and uncovered, the other one I think is covered, and then the directly across from the stand is uncovered as well. How would you rate the location and your transport there, both of those things out of 10? The, the transport was probably one of the better ones because it was straight off the train and then you're pretty much into the town square from what I can remember. The transport, I'd probably say, was a, a nine easily because the pub was in a good place just to go to whereas there's been times where like our broke, you need to go through, you need to walk, like as good as our broke away is, you need to keep walking down the dual carriageway to, to the ground and back and you end up in a pure maze. So I'd probably say Montrose is probably one of the best ones. In terms of day out, I'd say it's probably one of the better ones that I've been on, just because of how good it was. Like it, was it wasn't like walking about or running about after or anything. What about the pubs? How would you rate them? The pub, we went in. It was really good. I'd probably say it was about an eight. There was a pool table, which is always a bonus. Can't really remember if there was a TV, like watching the early kickoff of it, because some of them normally have it. But the pub was really good. The ground itself, out of 10? Ground out of 10, probably about a 3. I should have gone for like modern stuff, but I like terracing, so I'd probably say it's like a 6 or a 7. I prefer terracing to stand, uh, sitting, like having to sit down and all that stuff. Like I like just being able to move about and just get a laugh with your pals. Whereas in some grounds, like I think when we go to Fall Cup this season, it'll be a old ticket and it'll be you sit where your seat number is. Whereas most, apart from Falkirk, maybe Clyde and Airdrie, it'll be just move about, just do whatever you want, do you know what I mean? And what about the club's voting record through the SPFL shenanigans during the coronavirus? Well, I'm pretty sure they voted against us, which I, I, I can see why teams did vote like for themselves, but also it's... The, like when you look at it, league reconstruction wouldn't affect. Like I'm not even going to sit and debate about it because it's happened. But nobody would have suffered. But obviously teams would rather money off us and Falkirk than the possibility of two teams coming into league two and possibly putting a, like say if they, one of them like take out we get promoted. That's another team into league two and closer to the exit door, isn't it? That's all the teams in league one and two care about is just being alive in the pyramid. So. Voting-wise, they can... I'd probably give them a zero because it was pretty much everything against us. That leaves Montrose with a, a fairly respectable 32 out of 50. And last but possibly least is Peterhead. I've been to Peterhead, so I'm going to cover that. I went to Peterhead six or seven years ago uh, when Thistle had a free weekend with my Morton supporting pal to see Morton play up there in their league one days. Um, in terms of distance, I gave this a nine. Um, as the furthest that we will have to travel for an away game next season. So, not perfect because obviously not everyone wants to travel, but in terms of your sort of traditional away day, the sort of favourite away days, I think, amongst Thistle fans are Dingwall, Dumfries, the ones that you can drop and have a good day out. 
So I've given Peterhead a nine. It falls down after that though. Transport, it's a one out of ten. Peterhead doesn't have a train station. Um, to get to Peterhead in public transport, I believe you need to go to Aberdeen, which is still about 30 miles away from the stadium. So you're really on a supporters bus or driving. Uh, and if you're driving to Peterhead, that will probably bring your enjoyment of an away day down, unless you're committing a criminal offence. Uh, the stadium itself is a three. Uh, I, I, will, I would contend your claim that Clyde is the coldest stadium in Scotland. I went to Peterhead in February. You go in, there's one entrance, there's, you enter through the main stand and we walked round to what was on that day the away stand, but you went in at the, the main stand. So you walked round the pitch, half the pitch behind the goal and round to the other side of the ground where it's like terracing with a roof and you've paid your entrance fee to get in and then the steward's standing at the bottom of the stand and he says, oh, but an extra £5 if you want to get into the stand for shelter from the North Sea. So the North Sea's there, it's blown a gale, it's pushing down the rain and it's about two degrees and you've already paid your 12 or 15 pounds or whatever it was to get in and there's a steward there wanting more money for you just to get into a stand under cover. So they're getting a three out of ten for their stadium. If that is still the case that when we travel up, if we get to travel up, I'm not sure Thistle fans will be happy with that. In terms of pubs, from what I can, I've only been once, but from what I can remember, there aren't too many pubs near the ground, but there is a nice, similar to Inverness, the wee sort of social bar under the ground, which does differently to Falkirk, except home and away fans in there. Um, so if, you, if you're getting a supporters bus, bus up, which I expect most people will be, you will get driven to the ground and that will be possibly your only option, time dependent. But it is a nice wee welcoming place. And for their voting record, I gave Peterhead a 2 out of 10. And their two points come from the audacity of their statement where they said that uh, a club like Partick Thistle have got such great fans, they'll be very hospitable to us, basically, in a sad attempt to uh, try to get us to avoid a boycott of Peterhead after they did not vote uh, in a similar way to ourselves. As I say quite often on this podcast, these are the views of the individuals who gave them and not the views of the podcast because there are some funny uh, scores the best away day, we have a tie for the best away day in the league. Not too sure about this between Dumbarton and Montrose. So please take that with David, who was given Dumbarton's nines as if they were going out of fashion. Um, in third place, we have Airdrie. Again, not too sure about that. Mark Wallace is the person to ask about that. 30 out of 50. Then we come to Forfar in fourth with 29 points out of 50. East Fife get fifth place with 28 out of 50 mid table for them then we drop down to Clyde on 21 out of 50 in 6th place Peterhead in 7th on 20 out of 50 Cove get 18 out of 50 so they are just spared relegation and Falkirk with 15 out of 50 last place thanks for joining us on our League 1 away day preview thanks to David Forrest Mark Wallace Manjeet Singh Jamie McDonald Blair McNally Ken Boswell and Duncan Rayburn for contributing to this episode. We'll be back next week to review our league opener away at Clyde and preview our first league home game of the season against Sergey. As always, stay safe and wear a mask.
as always, stay safe and wear a mask. Chaka-ka! <laughs> there we go, got there in Jesus the end. Christ, he'd unmuted his mic early to get that in. <laughs> See? <laughs>